0: And welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 68, listener feedback and other things. Recorded September 30th, my four year old's birthday, 2012, and brought to you by Element Opie Productions, elementopie.com. Yes, four years ago today, my youngest child was born, and that's what we spent today doing. We we didn't actually get to have the party because, you know, we're new here. She only has like three friends. And all of them were out of town this weekend, so literally no one would be able to come to the party. So we're having her party next weekend, but we still, she's four, so we had to make a big deal out of it. So she got to pick where oh, she yeah. wanted to go to lunch. Anywhere in the world she wanted to go. Care to guess where she picked? Chuck, uh, Chuck E. Cheese. No. Try again. I see. Where did you post you went in Facebook? I don't remember. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, I read it. The but- world was her oyster. She had anywhere she could go, and she chose Taco Bell so, we, so Billy? we had lunch today at taco bell after church
1: taco bell i could think of about a billion other places i would rather have lunch but i
0: tried taco really hard bell? to talk her into something and then i thought what am i doing i'm talking her into making me spend more money taco bell it <laughs> is all five of us <laughs> ate for 22 bucks yes that works
2: <laughs> doritos that locos works. tacos are good
0: yeah but they're not 75 cents more good they cost a lot more than a regular taco and they're a little better
2: yeah. they they only cost twenty cents more down here, oh. so they're twenty cents more better. More
0: okay, I'll <laughs> give you that, but not here. So yeah, okay. the uh, the people I forgot to introduce the 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 Doritos slover is Mister Seth Gooey Kid Anderson. Hiya, Seth. Hey, Mark. Hello, EDL world. And his cohort in crime is of course Mister Chris Command Line Godfather Neves. Hello, Christopher.
1: <laughs> hey, how goes it today, guys?
0: So far, so good. So, uh, yeah, after after we went to church this morning, we went to Taco Bell, and then went to Baskin Robbins, got an ice cream cake, because you got to have a cake.
1: Oh, and it. ice cream cakes are the way to go. Yeah. If I want to get fat on something, it's going to be ice cream cakes.
0: <laughs> so, what did you guys do this week?
1: Uh, work, work, and more work. Uh, my home business has been taking a huge swing straight up, so it's going to be... Mad dashes and to get everything, everyone done, and not to break too many rules of my day job.
0: <laughs> oh, trust me, I know how that is. I have this uh, this second job known as podcasting, and uh, <laughs> it uh, can certainly be a bit challenging when you've got you know you're working fifty hours at one week and then thirty hours uh, at one job and then thirty hours at another job. Uh, the the hours run out pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We moved and then I a call some center. Good football games today.
0: Did you? I didn't get to watch any good football games.
1: No. Well, I thought the Green Bay game was halfway decent. Actually,
0: well, you know, if you like offense, but I'm not an offense guy. I like defense. I like good smash mouth zero to three football. That's what I no. like. And this was a shootout.
1: Yeah, it was. It was it was pretty good though to watch some of those plays. The last one that I watched before I ran back to the computer was that miracle catch at the end of the game that right. sealed it for Green Bay. Spoiler, if anyone hasn't seen it yet, sorry but uh it was an amazing catch i couldn't believe he caught it and uh, but
0: uh well and it turns out it wouldn't have mattered because of the interference call but yeah it was yeah. still a pretty amazing catch uh, i was yeah. watching that down here in the studio on the laptop via an, an not entirely legal source because upstairs <laughs> on the tv uh you know is where it was actually playing uh, so i've had a weekend of not doing things entirely legally um as 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 any good geek knows, this week was the release of The Avengers on DVD. And uh, I haven't gone out and bought it yet. I, I, I certainly will. Uh, but still, my wife and I watched it Friday night. Aww. I'll let you decide how that happened. Naturally, I went to Redbox <laughs> and rented it, of course. No, sure. no not even that sure. the, the beauty of the interwebs is that at about 6.15, I thought hey, let's watch the Avengers. At 6.30, my torrent had finished. It was copied over to my media PC, and we were watching Avengers.
2: Wow. See, at my house, that would have been, at 6.15, hey, I want to watch the Avengers. At 6.30, the same day next week, hey,
0: my torrent (laughs)
1: is finished. I I feel your pain, Seth. I'm in the same boat.
0: So, yes, I illegally torrented the movie, but I will true it up and go buy it in the very near future because it's the one that's going to be in my collection. So, you MPAA people, back off. By the time you stick the lawyers on me, I will have already purchased it. Uh, But we were watching, you know, and there's there's several uh, lengthy sections that aren't in English, and you rely on subtitles. The uh, interrogation with Black Widow and then the scene in Calcutta with uh, Banner. None of those subtitles were there. And, and my wife was like, what are they saying? Where are the subtitles? I said, well, you know, the, I should have doubled the price for it. And then maybe I would have gotten one with subtitles. I can't complain too much about the bootleg copy that I got that didn't come with uh, subtitles.
1: Just maybe maybe you went to the wrong place to get your bootlegs, evidently.
0: Well, it was the top Pirate Bay. Where else would I go?
1: I well, I don't do <laughs> that stuff anymore. I've been out of that scene for a long time.
2: You know, I checked the sources I used to use back when I did that on a daily basis, and they're really not there anymore. So torrenting would be, uh, I would not know where to go to get better quality.
0: I have torrented three movies in my life, Um, all three of, uh, well, two of which I own, the third of which I will own. Um, It's not something that I do on a regular basis, but uh, my copy of the classic 1980s John Candy movie, maybe 1990s, John Candy movies, uh, Cool Runnings got scratched i own the dvd i bought it it's mine uh but it got messed up so i torrented it to to replace it and then like i don't know six months later it was in the three dollar bin at the grocery store and i bought it again so i've bought that one twice now Um, that, that is a
2: great movie though i really you know it was just a good movie all around so
0: and i also torrented uh one of the star wars movies that i own on vhs and I didn't want to go through <laughs> all the trouble of converting it from VHS to DVD or going out and buying it or what. So I torrented that one. So, yes, come lock me up. I am a felon for having downloaded movies I already bought.
2: It's it's not the lock you up. It's the hundred and eighty five thousand dollar fine they will get or you more. with for for doing that. You know per, per occurrence. So, um,
0: yeah. But uh, at least I'm not you know mentioning it on a public place at all.
1: <laughs> no, no, not at all.
0: If this show had any listeners, I might worry about it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. This is actually our one of our bigger shows and we appreciate it. And in fact, this show is uh largely going to be about you guys. Um we had some uh s- just sort of snippets of feedback here and there that I've been c- gathering up. And we uh, decided to put that, along with our usual slate of news, uh, into a show. So I think I will jump straight into the listener feedback, uh, and then we will come back and do the news. But first, uh, (laughs) we have a, a, uh, not really a tech news story, but one that will be near and dear uh, to this audience, and that is what uh, Seth is calling the apocalypse.
2: Yeah, I actually heard it referred to as that, and that's what it causes to stick in my mind. And it's going to be the uh, shortage of bacon that they are predicting uh, next year and it's really you know because of the drought and global warming and it's probably george bush's fault right. as well but you know <laughs> there's going to be a a shortage of bacon and of course some people are saying you know there will be no bacon and other people will be like it'll be a hundred dollars a slice but it'll probably mean there won't be quite as much and it will be a little bit more expensive now but we, yeah we covered so.
0: the story extensively on this week's episode of the periodic table uh go download it and listen to it uh and it's the the British Pork Producer Association, I forget the, the name of it, has said that there are historically low um, populations in the EU, and they were blaming pricing. They, they wanted price fixes, government price fixes. fixes. They said the market uh, was demanding, the market price was too low because people weren't willing to pay for it, and so farmers are getting out of the business, and they were pred- predicting a domino effect. Uh, I will... Uh, reassure you that there have been no such statements as that I could find of that in the U.S. But they were saying that would be a global chain reaction. If the pork, if uh, the British pork producers stop uh, producing, then it'll overload other people and yada, 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 yada. Look, pigs are easy to grow, and there will always be pretty, plenty of pigs. I'm not too worried about that. In fact, where I live, or at least where I used to live, you could go out in the backwoods and kill a few pigs and make your own bacon. So, if- that, That's where I live. Right. So if the commercial uh people fall down the bubbas will step up and you'll start starting having having bubbas meat bacon and stuff uh and and so there will always be bacon bubba bacon uh,
1: you know that that would be a great
2: company right there it bubba would be. bacon
1: yeah. I'd buy from it
2: <laughs> yeah so you know I knew that all things bacon
1: we have to talk
2: in this uh you know everyday bacon podcast we have here
0: so
1: <laughs> I think we're going to have bacon tomorrow for for lunch. I think that sounds like a great idea.
0: Yes. Bacon, everyday bacon. That would be a good show. I'm going to write that down, Seth. Everyday bacon. <laughs> and so, uh, Chris, anything interesting in your second job that you'd like to mention? Uh, hint, hint. But, uh, the, lap, the, show notes.
1: the laptop from heck, yes. I have a laptop sitting on my desk right there that is driving me almost to the point where I want to start drinking. Wait a minute. Where is um, it? it's like right there right over right over there, there. okay over there
0: <laughs> so those of you uh, not watching the live stream you, know, you wouldn't have been able to see it if you were so never mind
1: aha uh-huh. see <laughs> how you are but anyway yeah it's it's got some sort of bug in it and I'm not I'm not sure what it is but it's affecting the keyboard and it's driving me absolutely nutty and hopefully I found a couple of things just before the show that will help me figure out what it is and kill it because I'm about ready to say scrap it it in, throw it away and throw away this Windows install and start fresh because it works everywhere else. In a boot environment, a Linux boot environment works great. Works great before boot, before login. Everything else, forget it.
0: Well, you know, sometimes so. that is the best service you can provide for a customer. Because if you get something yep. that is that deeply messed up, you can fix the problem, but it's going to come back. So yep. I, generally, when I find something like that, something that's weird and that the standard uh, spate of tools doesn't fix, that's my recommendation. Look, let me back this up and just wipe it out for you and we'll all be happier in the end.
1: So yeah, it's it's I'm, I'm either at the point where I'm going to say throw it away and we'll we'll start fresh or you know as long as the client will agree with me, otherwise it's going to be quite a, a painful, painful endeavor. Because I've had a couple of clients say that, no, they don't want a fresh install. Fix it, and, and then I tell great. them. And
0: you just say, "All right, you're you're into the double and triple overtime. Just know that this is yep. going to cost you as much as a new laptop."
1: Yeah, that's what I tell them. So yeah, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to find out what she ends up deciding to do um, if this battery of tools that I have right now running um, doesn't turn up any fruit.
0: Jim in the chat room says, your problem is you got that darn Vista on it. If you get rid of that, your problems will go away.
1: I thought so, (laughs) but there again, we're talking clean install. So, same boat. And Vista isn't too bad after Service Pack 1, but I still won't run it or suggest anyone else runs it.
0: No, I agree. Vista grew into a nice operating system. In fact, it grew into Windows 7. Uh, (laughs) Windows 7 is just Vista Service Pack 2, really. Basically, Well,
2: I mean, and plus... If you have the ni- if you have hardware that will run it, it works good. Um, so uh, and I love making fun done, of Vista,
0: and that's a problem. A lot of manufacturers pushed out machines that weren't really spec'd out to run it. And right, that's why Vista got a bad name.
1: Yeah, and this is one of those. This is an old um, Toshiba that it needs some loving. It needs some RAM. It, it could probably use a, RAM, a hard drive upgrade, so it's spinning at more than forty-seven hundred. Um, but whatever i'll do what the client says that's what that's what my job is (laughs) just
0: say yes sir and write the check
1: Uh, that's right how big's the pocketbook
0: so before we go too much farther i have a bit of a mea culpa i have to issue our last episode i credited the wrong listener uh (gasps) for the the topic now uh i i I said it was robert and i have robert's email in here and he asked a two-parter and it was his second part that I read on the air about uh, software for kids. Uh, but what actually kick-started the reason we were already working on the topic, was an email from a fellow who calls himself Kahuku. K-A-H-U-K-U. Yes, Kahuku. And Kahuku writes, Hi, guys. I'm a new listener and new to Linux as well. So far, I've enjoyed the few shows I've listened to and will start working my way through your podcast archive. I heard your call for new topic suggestions uh, in the What's in a Name episode and thought I'd request a show about Linux for kids. I have an elementary school-aged kid and want to repurpose an old Dell that was gathering dust for him to use. I came across a distribution called Chemo, we mentioned that one that is geared toward kids he loves some of the bundled education software and has been using tux paint since he was a toddler it's a great way to introduce kids to computing and a good use of typically lower powered out-of-date dust gathering computers that we all have in our closet or garage I'd like to learn more about this topic, including hearing from others about the additional education software, safe web browsing filters, useful utilities, and other users' uses for such uh, as kids' computers. Keep up the good work. So, uh, Kahuku, you had your episode, but I said it was Robert. Sorry about that.
1: (laughs) That's all right. We're human. We can make mistakes once in a while. Every now and then
0: uh so uh
2: see what we well what we did was we combined multiple emails because we had so many that's what it was
0: uh but but robert did actually he asked the, the question and i read his excerpt about uh his friend who's got uh, some kids coming over after school uh but here he calls himself tech robert uh, and here's the first part of the show and uh, of his email and i can't believe i neglected to read this one on the air because the first uh the first sentence um is ideal and, and we should have, uh, should have read it from the beginning. He says, hey, guys, your podcast rocks. And I really don't think I need to read any further. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah. Can we put this on, like, our main page?
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, hey, guys, your podcast rocks. Great ratio of personal life to actual content. Love being able to feel like you're a human and not just my computer talking to me. You'll have to forgive my ignorance as I'm very new to the podcast and pretty new to Linux in general. That's all right, Robert. Uh, we get people all the time. Who are new to the show and come in and ask questions that we've already answered. and, and that's why usually, if I'm on top of my game, I can point them back to the show that we already done. Uh, sometimes I just say, we've already covered that. do a search on it, but that's just when I'm in a in a hurry and like typing on my phone. But anyway, he, he goes on to say, do you think you could do a segment uh, or episode on partitioning a hard drive for Ubuntu? What I mean is what partitions uh, Ubuntu or other Linux uh, builds need, and how big they need to be to be able to run? Uh, efficiently. I understand that Linux needs a, a slash and a home, and I think a page partition. It's actually swap. Uh, but I never knew how big and exactly how to add them in. So, uh, Rob, we actually did cover that on um, the our geek episode uh, of uh, installing Linux. I forget what we called, but we'll go back and do a quick primer on that one because it's an interesting uh, discussion where I tend to stray away from the typical Linux admin when I say don't use a swap partition. I don't think you need it. I think it's wasted space. Swap partitions are good if you have a gig or less of RAM. If you have a gig or more of RAM, you don't need a swap partition. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Um, I like the the slash partition, the root partition, I like it to be um depending on the size of your disk, uh, maybe twenty or thirty percent of the disk, and that's where your programs are going to be. And then I use everything else for home. That's where your stuff lives, where your data lives. And the reason you can—that's uh, a good thing—is that you can uh, wipe out your in Linux install without losing any of your data. So you can wipe out the home partition, the the root partition, without wiping out your. Uh, home partition. If you're coming from Windows, that's that's new. You can't do that uh, in the, for the most part. So um, if your Linux install gets hosed, you can in to- totally install an entirely new version of Linux, pointed at the same home, and most of your apps will work. Um, after, of course, you have to reinstall the apps, but all your settings and everything will be there. So that's yep. what I like to do. I like to do 70 to 80 percent of the disk for home, 20 percent for root, and none for swap. And Chris disagrees with me violently on that.
1: I do, um, but that's just because of the type of person I am. I'm the belt, th- I'm the belt and suspenders guy of the the podcast. Obviously, um, I like to have because of the way I do my workload. I, you know, even with like my work machine's got twelve gigs of RAM, I still use swap. It, it ends up, I, I still end up swapping out because of how I do things. You know, I leave browsers open with fifty tabs open. GIMP open with five or six pictures loaded in and the transition's happening. Um, I, but I know my workload's different for most people. Most people don't do that. So yeah, Mark, your advice would probably be okay for the average user. But if you're somebody who leaves, you know, 20 programs running at once with, you know, three or four or that are active with music, movies, etc., and you're doing all sorts of things, you want something for swap because otherwise, if you don't have any swap, you will crash.
0: I've never experienced that, and I I'm a oh. Linux power user, uh, but you know I don't abuse my system in the same way that Chris does. <laughs> I have never yeah. had Linux ever once use the swap. It's never happened. Really? And in, in probably probably six years since I've installed swap on a machine, and I've never had that issue.
1: Yeah, I, like I said, I'm an I'm an odd case because I I don't close things. I leave things open for days, and that's when you end up starting to see swap being used. Well, especially um, but, if some of
0: those things happen to be Firefox tabs that never stop eating RAM.
1: Exactly, and like I said before, Chrome and me don't get along for some another weird reason I don't quite understand. So, because of my use case, I recommend having at least something for swap. You know, even if it's only a gig or two, um, because you won't even feel that in your hard drive. So I say give it a little bit of swap, but you don't need to dedicate. You know, the the Thought was along, uh, what, two, three, four years ago was double the RAM. If you have two gigs of RAM, you double it to four four gigs for swap. Um, I don't do that. Personally, I think one, two to four gigs of, of, of swap space is more than enough, um, except for on my Linux server that I have, you know, 150 people using out of. So then they, there's a little bit more swap there. But anyway, that's where I'm at.
0: Well, and and let me backtrack just a little bit and say, on my server installs, I do use swap. I'm talking about desktops here. On servers, I generally uh, equal the amount of RAM. So if I've got 64 gigs of RAM, there's 64 gigs of swap. But you're talking about a 10-terabyte array, so 64 gigs yeah. is meaningless.
2: Exactly. And one thing, if you're um, dual booting with whatever version of Windows was originally on the computer, I like to make another partition that is separate from the Linux and the Windows partition, and I format it in TFS so that way I can access content on it from both my partitions without any issue.
0: And uh, Jim in the chat room says, can you use a USB thumb drive for swap in Linux? Uh, There are two answers to that question. Uh, the, The technical answer is yes, it is possible. The realistic answer is never, ever do it exactly uh, because the way linux mounts usb drives and windows for that matter you know uh when uh microsoft had that thing what do they call it seth the the booster something Active like boost, that boost i think
2: yeah. ready uh, boost. if i remember ready 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 boost, boost. Ready boost that's yeah, it so
0: that that does the same thing offload some swap to a flash drive flash drives are faster uh than um uh, f- spinning disks and they're going to work uh better that there are two problems with it one the, the way swap is used, if it's used at all, uh, is lots of thrashing, lots of reading and writing. And uh, Flash RAM doesn't like that. And so your reliability yeah. is pretty low. Uh, the yeah, good no, news that- is it's just swap data, so it's not a big deal. You're not losing anything. It may crash and, you know, have to start over again. Uh, but you're not going to lose a whole bunch of, of data. Uh, but the real issue is that uh, the mounting of a USB drive happens so much higher up in the OS uh, than the mounting of a regular partition that there's a lot of overhead, and the yeah. fact that the, the 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 quote unquote boost that you should get is eaten up by the extra memory and the extra processor to make that happen, and then the stability isn't there. It's just it's not worth it if you happen to have. You know a sixty four gig flash drive laying around you don't intend to use, sure, you can do it. Are you gonna see much benefit? No, and in fact, it'll probably make your system less stable
1: right and and also because there's the way USB works is it draws upon the CPU to do stuff anyway. so not only are you eating up like you said your your processes are, because it's higher up in the in the OS, but your process your CPU has to use resources in order to even access the USB drive.
0: And then if it all works perfectly, you're going to have a limited lifespan because of the thrashing and it's going to die eventually anyway.
2: And then the next time you use it, you really need to put it back in the same slot or it'll think it's another device and you have to set it up again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Jim, you asking about a second hard drive. Um, In my rigs that I usually build, the second hard drive I use for home personally. So I have my root, you know, my slash directory and my swap on, drive a and then my home and drive b just because i like being strange like that
2: yeah i don't think i would not do a second hard drive just for swap um i mean maybe in some specialized circumstance that would make sense but just for most people i can't think of why you would want a second hard drive
0: and the linux os is very aggressive about memory management um, yes. You just don't see a lot of swapping going on unless you're just really abusing your OS.
1: Like me, <laughs> I abuse all of my OSs. There, there hasn't been one that lasts as long as than you know maybe three four months and, and it needs to be reinstalled because I've beat it up so bad. Yeah. I'm I'm I am the evil tech guy when it comes to OSs.
0: So if you really if if performance is your primary goal and money is no object. You put the, your root partition on an SSD, and you put swap and home on a spinning disk, and you're yes. going to get blazing performance out of that. Uh, and you're also going to pay out the nose for it.
1: Yeah, that would be the way to do it. Actually, that's what this my new rig that I just built. That's going to be the the when I have the money to buy an SSD. That's what it's going to be. I'm going to have root on my, an SSD, and then everything else on the two spinning disks.
2: Are you gonna look at a hybrid drive maybe, Chris?
1: Uh I thought about it, but I think I'm just gonna go with a smaller SSD for the for root, just for the simple fact that, you know, I know approximately how much space I can get away with and not, you know, run out of space on it. Um and at the right now at the current cost for SSDs it wouldn't really do me any good to jump this the hybrid route right now. And I don't know how reliable those are gonna be. Um, I haven't really seen any reliability tests on hybrid drives that really confirm one way or the other for me. So.
0: This is a show full of geeks, so I'm sure you'll <laughs> get the reference. Uh, you know the the crappy uh, uh, vampire franchise that uh, Wesley Snipes was in called Blade. Yes. Right? yes, yeah. There's what a four or five or twenty-seven of them now, um, wow. and uh, Blade is a half human, half vampire. Uh, and one of the lines in the original movie is uh, he has all of our strengths and none of our weaknesses. Uh, He was talking a vampire talking about him. I think uh, uh, hybrid SSDs are the opposite. I think they have all of the weaknesses and none of the strengths. Yeah. Um, I just don't believe that that technology is a way to – because you've essentially got two controllers on a single card because you can't use one controller to do both. So you've got two points of failure going through a single interface – uh, taxing the ba- the bus bandwidth of that interface because you're doubling up on the bandwidth uh, on the interfa- uh, interfaces uh, and it's just I just don't believe it's a smart way to go because the cost is roughly the same as buying an SSD and buying a physical machine exactly so you're going to spend a lot of money for something that's only marginally better. Because the, the way things in computers work, just, just as a general rule, is you tend to fail to the speed of the lowest common denominator. And so that's exactly. some of the results I've seen about those hybrid things, is that they force the SSD to work at the speed of the, of the SATA. Which, you know, what's the point of that?
1: Because you're just back on the spinning disk speed, and you got the SSD part because you wanted the speed, and you don't get it. So, right. so you're spending why- a
0: whole lot of money for exactly what you had before.
1: Yeah, and with the with my particular case, it actually has a slot, a slide-in slot for an SSD for that purpose. So, um, I'm I'm silly not to. Uh, it's just I didn't have the extra 200 bucks at the time of the build for the SSD.
0: All right. And then one last uh, bit of listener feedback is a voicemail from our good friend Door to Door Geek. Uh, last week, I made the comment about uh, the the fluff, the the warm up, as we call it, the uh, the non uh, uh, topic part of the show, which can sometimes be half of the show. And you know, and I, I, I just kind of put my stake in the ground and said, "That's the way the show is. If you don't like it, I understand you don't like it." Go find another show, and I won't have any hard feelings about it. And so, Dor, uh had his comments about that. Great.
1: This should be fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so, we'll play that and see what he has to say.
1: Hello, Mark. Hello, Seth.
3: Hello, Chris. This is obviously for everyday learning This is Orador E.K.K.A. Steven Block. Let me say. If we didn't have the intro part, how else would I know about Mark's obsession with smoking and bacon? I mean, come on! And Chris, I'm really sorry you had to take a four-hour trip to the dentist for your daughter for a tooth. Uh, I understand. I just had a bunch of stuff related. So I really do feel for you. And Seth. How else would I know about your passion? Your passion for comic books. I appreciate that. I appreciate all of it. Uh with that said, of course, I'd like the beginning the intro part. It is the warm-up. It's the getting ready to roll, and it makes me better understand your guys' viewpoints and opinions on topics that you talk about. That to me is what a podcast is. If you just want straight, dry news, just like Mark said, there's other podcasts. Go subscribe to them. There's some that are better. There's some that is worse. Bottom line, I like hearing about Mark's life. I like hearing about Chris's life. I like hearing about Seth's life. It's good stuff. It's good cast. Keep it up, period. I am personally on the road on my way to Ohio next Fest. And i got to ask you guys, do you guys go to any Linux Fest? Is there any even remotely close to any of you guys? Goddamn. All right, fellas. Wish me luck. I'll talk to you later. All
0: right. Thank you, Door. Uh, there was a Texas Linux Linux Fest in Austin. Well, still is every spring. But I never uh, had the opportunity to go. I, I threatened and made some noise about it once, uh, but never managed to go. And I don't know if there's anything here in, in Georgia uh, I'll have to keep my eyes uh, out for that. What, what about you guys?
1: <laughs> not,
0: <laughs> there's not I'm a Montana Linux Fest out there. a lower no. Canada Linux Fest.
1: No, there's not anything anywhere close. At least not to my side of the side of the uh, of Montana. The the I mean, there's Ohio or no Idaho. I think there's an Idaho Linux Fest. But yeah, there's nothing anywhere near me in any sense of the fashion. Um. I have asked a couple of times for the Fedora comp- the, the Fedora organization to see if they would tr- sponsor me to go somewhere but yeah that was kind of laughed at <laughs> because I'm so far away. <laughs> but yeah, someday I would love to go to one. Uh one of the another conference I'd love to go to is Hope, but that's over in New York so you kind of guess how fast that's going to happen.
0: Isn't that the Hope and Change conference now? Uh I don't Sorry, think so. That was that was an Obama joke. <sighs> So What yeah. about you, Seth? Ever been to a Linux fest or, or I, conference?
2: I have not. I've uh, I wanted to go to some, but now the economics of the situation kind of prohibit prohibited. Um, but I would like to go. I know it, I would be in over my head, like in much the same way I went to a chess club thing once when I was in high school, and I thought I knew how to play chess until... Uh, until I met those guys and they schooled me pretty good. So, uh, I'm sure my Linux experience would be much the same way, but no, I, I would like to go to that one in Austin. And, um, I know there's like, I think some lugs, there's a lug in Dallas, but, um, you know, I, I really, I haven't even ever looked in Tyler, but I know in Dallas, there's one. I've just never been to it.
0: All right, here's here's what I propose. Uh, the Texas Linux Fest is generally the first or second week in uh, April, somewhere around there, I think. It was so, in
2: June this last year.
0: Okay, so I was totally wrong. Uh, anyway, it's in the spring or summer or maybe fall or winter. Uh, I propose that for the 2013 Texas Linux Fest, we as the Everyday Linux community send Seth as our representative and reporter. So it's going to cost, what, a couple hundred bucks to send him there, he can he can drive. It's only a few hours, like five hours away for him. He can drive. We'll put up and put him up in a hotel and pay for his uh, his uh, conference fees if he will uh, uh, maybe record some interviews and stuff. And he'll be our roving everyday Linux reporter. What do you say about that, guys?
1: That's kind of cool. Oh.
0: I'm all for it. So everybody in the community would have to pitch in like a buck. I mean, honestly, if you've ever downloaded this show. If you sent me a dollar through PayPal, make it a dollar fifty because they take like twelve cents out of every dollar, and it's almost not worth it. So send send me a buck and a half, and we'll be able to send Seth in style to represent the everyday Linux community for less than you know half a cup of Starbucks coffee.
1: That would be pretty cool. It'd be cheaper for Seth than me.
0: Uh, absolutely because yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's his, his backyard he'd have to get some time off and so we'd maybe kick in some money for the for the couple of days of work he might miss uh so but i think we could do that i will let's make that our project the send seth to uh texas linux fest uh project beginning now uh donations are not tax refundable and uh like a kickstarter campaign it may or may not happen but i will still take your money
2: and I pulled up the 2012 Texas Linux Fest calendar, and it actually started Friday, August the 3rd. So, uh, I was way off on that. So
1: Okay. so But now we have an yeah, approximate s- date for when next year is.
0: I said April. You said June. It was actually August.
1: Yeah. Sorry. You know, but that uh, Seth, you brought up something I don't think we've really brought up yet in the show is lugs. The Linux user groups, um, they're pretty much everywhere. If you search your town name plus Lug, you might find one. Um, I know for me, the closest one is about, I think it's 600 miles, no, 450 miles away. It's about a six-hour drive to get to one. So, yeah, it's not, I'm not able to get there at all. So, uh, it'd be interesting.
0: Yeah, uh, Linux user group, by the way, Lug. Uh, which is generally um, another way of saying Tupperware parties with pocket protectors. Uh.
2: <laughs> yeah, Tupperware parties for geeks, basically. Yeah. You know, it's like um, I saw a um, a thing on Facebook. It showed. Um, it said, um, you know, fantasy football, and it showed a bunch of guys sitting around with their pads and pencils and all this kind of stuff. And the caption underneath it was Dungeons and Dragons for jocks. <laughs> and, uh, that's. I thought that's that was funny. funny. So
0: Yeah, my fantasy football, by the way, Jim Beeson, you are getting crushed. Jim's in my league this uh this week uh and uh or this year and and we we're heads up this week. And thanks to Aaron Rodgers, I'm blowing him out of the water. On the on the other hand, in my other league, I just went zero and four for the season.
2: <laughs>
0: Bummer. Yeah. Not not a good not a good week for me in that one. So yeah, check out uh maybe we should try uh to contact some lug leaders, lug presidents, lug I don't know what they are even called. Um, uh for uh you know some of the areas around us uh and see what what we can find out. That might be interesting. Get some guys on the show have a, a lug of the week.
1: Yeah, there <laughs> that you would go. Be awesome. Um I know I know Three of them that I talk to him all the time in the Montana RC, IRC IRC room. So it'd be, I'm sure I could get a couple of them to jump on the show, and say hi. So cool. yeah,
0: but basically the purpose of a, a, a Linux user group is just you know just that. It's to to get Linux loving guys together and uh, offer each other support, uh, and uh, you know just kind of. Get together once a while once a week once a month uh, but more than that it tends to be like an email list uh, that you can um, yeah that you can rely on more than the 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 regular get-togethers so it's just it's local users in your area um, and generally they're good they're they're um, uh, newbie friendly and they you know are non-judgmental and you can go in there and ask your hey what is a Linux question and they won't laugh at you
1: Yep, um, I know the last the last time I talked to the the lug guys, I was gonna try and start one here in town, but there's just not a big enough following for us in little town Glendive for a lug to even start up.
0: Yeah, there would be four members, and three of them would be in your household, right?
1: Probably. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, um, lugs are pretty good. I mean, they're and a lot of times, if if you have one in your your hometown, they usually run or most of them do uh, install fest so when they the favorite distribution of their of that lug gets released they'll have an install fest so you can just bring your machine in and you'll have somebody who knows what they're doing install Linux for you
0: yeah and 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 that can certainly come in handy and and then you have his information for when you crash it later yep um, and it would be interesting to see if they set up a swap partition <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and also to uh, to doors other comments about you know the the personal parts of the show that's just how this show has developed um, I like to say we're inviting you into our digital living room. You're invited to sit down, pull up a chair, grab a beer out of the fridge, and enjoy yourself. But don't you know? Don't have any expectations that we're going to bring the hardcore uh, geek stuff because sometimes we do, and sometimes we don't. And and I'm okay with that because, like I've said so many times, this show is about everyday Linux use, and not every day are you putting together a $20,000 enterprise server. And also not every day are you you know downloading uh, 50 different distros. There's different stuff that we do. And so that's what we talk about. This is our everyday lives as we are Linux users. So in the words go. of Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say about that.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: so we were talking about uh, torrents earlier. Uh, Google cracked down on an author for torrenting his own book. Shame on you.
2: yeah um, it was kind of funny to read about it and and more about it apparently they're now un-american because he's a soldier who was deployed in iraq and he wrote a book about python and he gave it away for free as a thank you to the open source community and and because he gave it away free he put links on his website to the specific torrent you know not like Hey, this is a torrent site. Go through and search my link. But it's like, hey, here is the torrent for my free book that I wrote and you can have for free. And Google, the Google service bot, um, basically said, oh, we've deactivated your Google AdSense account because of we felt like it, um, is basically what it <laughs> says. So he went through and took off all links to the torrent and, uh, resubmitted or whatever, and it was still, blocked so it was just and of course you know google does a lot of things well one of the things they do extremely unwell is uh customer service um because you can't talk to a human you know uh, all you get are bots and forums and stuff like that and so he can't get a hold of anybody to find out exactly why it was blocked he just gets a bot with a reference to the um acceptable use policy, basically. But it was kind of funny. Um, it was an article on Tech Dirt that uh, I came across. And uh, I thought it was, you know, I mean, Google used to have a model of do no evil. And I don't think they do a good job of living up to that anymore. But uh, that's my yeah, so commentary essentially the them.
0: guy, The guy wanted to make some ad money off of AdSense by giving away his book. He wasn't charging for the book, but everybody who goes to his site to download it, he got some AdSense Stuff and you know and that those zero point three cents per uh, per impression add up over time if it's popular enough. Uh, But Google said it's uh, illegal activity. You are giving away copyrighted material and it's all automated. If a human had ever looked at this, they would have said, "Oh, yeah, that's that's perfectly legal. We'll, We'll we'll unblock you." But the trouble is there aren't enough humans to do everything Google needs to do, and so they try to do everything with with automated systems. And their automated systems are notoriously bad.
1: Yeah. But we still use them.
0: Yeah, because they're And we cheap.
1: still love them. <laughs>
0: well, what was it? Uh, the, uh, re- the Democratic National Convention got taken down, their live stream got taken down by an automated copyright thing because news sites were rebroadcasting what they were doing. Google saw that this content was coming from a news site, assumed that the White House stream was a bootleg of the news site, and shut down the White House stream
1: or the DNC That's stream. That's awesome. Runner. I haven't That's heard of that. Funny. That's awesome. I had not heard that story.
0: Yeah, so they were live streaming on YouTube. YouTube offers offers that service to very large organizations and uh, and large events. You can live stream on YouTube. So they were. Now, live I'm sure streaming. they just haven't
2: got our. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get that any time. Yeah,
0: now. any day now. By uh, the invitation's got to be in the mail. Um, but yeah, the the Democratic National Convention was live streaming their own convention, and as part of the convention, they played some prepackaged thing, and Google's automated systems saw the prepackaged thing as copyright infringement shut them down and they stayed shut down They've, they it was over now after the fact they went over and you could go back and you can you can see it today it's there it's on youtube but the live stream was shut down because of an automated bot <laughs> that's funny and so it happens it happens all the time and uh, you can't run a corporation off of support.py.
2: <laughs> well, I mean you can. Google is making billions of dollars doing it. But yeah, yeah. You C- know. Cust-
0: C- customer support is not high up on their list. I mean, I bought two Google phones. The Google Nexus phone. I bought the Nexus one and the Nexus S from Google. And the support was a nightmare on both cases because they're, you know, it's support.py. There's not a person you can call. There's not a there's nowhere you can go if you have a problem with your phone. In both cases, uh, I had hardware issues, manufacturer issues with the phone um, that I could not get supported because HTC said it's not an HTC phone, it's a Google phone. And Google said, we don't do support, go talk to HTC. Um, And, you know, it's just, it's the kind of nightmare you run into when you have a search company selling
1: stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I wonder if they, uh, I wonder if they made like a support plan option you know, like you know, we can't afford to pay people to staff support if they did like a, you know, twenty, thirty dollars a year for support. I wonder if there would be, if, if there would be a significant interest for them to like open a call center and staff it, and it be another revenue stream for them. Just a thought. I'm not saying they should do
1: it. I just wonder. So that's a thought, though. I mean, I, I don't. I wonder if they've even played that game, that number game with it
0: i'm sure there's a spreadsheet with a pivot table about it somewhere
1: <laughs> i'm sure too i mean th- those guys are pretty much you know but engineers trying to do customer service is right. not usually a good thing so but it'd be interesting to see if that actually has come across the head ducks table once
2: you know that's what you thought what if that's not a bot what if that's just a google engineer <laughs>
0: Well, you know, engineers <clears throat> tend to be binary-minded uh, people. You know, it's a yes or no. It's right or wrong. Yeah. So uh, it kind of wouldn't surprise me all that much. Right. Um, and speaking of BlackBerry, yeah, I, I just gave up on a transition for that story. How do you work BlackBerry into anything? Um, you know, there are certain, certain stories that we do uh, on a regular basis that just keep coming back. You know, Mego OS won't die. Um that's a story that keeps coming back. Uh, the Linux, the Microsoft is doing something that will keep Linux from being put on machines. That's a story that keeps coming back. And the Rim is dead story keeps coming back. Can we just pull the plug, put a tag on its toe, and get it over eventually? <laughs> Come on. But no, there's another Rim is dying story. Rim is expected to lose subscribers for the first time. And I have a hard really? time believing it's the there? first time.
1: Yeah. I, what's um I oh. have a person in my school district who actually still uses a Blackberry.
0: Well, at where I work, um uh Blackberry is the only um approved enterprise device. Uh, all of my managers, all of my uh, all of the staff, all the support uh staff who have uh corporate phones are Blackberries and if you have your own phone you can't use it. So it's either a Blackberry or it's a nothing. And wow. we're vamping here because Seth was going to do this story and we lost his connection, but he's back. I'm
2: now. back. Sorry, was it was it me? Yes. Okay. I apologize for my uh, country bandwidth. But yeah, so are we still talking about Rim? Or did John move off? Yes, on? yep.
0: <laughs> Ready to go. Okay.
2: okay. I was just going to say I came across, and this was news to me, that even though Rim's market share has plummeted over the last couple of years, they have added subscribers every quarter it you know so their even though their market share has fallen their user base has grown um mm-hmm. and up until and it's projected to grow this quarter and next quarter is supposed to be the first time their user base actually declines so that was that was interesting news to me i i i had assumed that you know they were shuttering users left and right and was just a thin shell but apparently they've still been growing up to this point.
0: Well, the fact is, neither Windows nor Android nor Apple offers a secure uh, enterprise-grade communication system. BlackBerry yeah. is the only one on the market. If right. you want to have a secure communications all the way to the back end, something that you control every SSH key all the way through, BlackBerry's the only way to do that. Yeah,
1: right. I bet for healthcare, that's a, that's a mandatory for healthcare. So, which is why they're still... Yeah. For, so,
0: healthcare, uh, uh, government, uh, most corporations, I mean, BlackBerry is still huge there. But what's happening is uh, people are deciding um, either to let some of that stuff go and realize that the Uber security wasn't as important as they thought it was. Um, like, for example, with my company, I've complained about it before, um, I can't connect... Uh, my Google phone through like Google Calendar and Google email and all that I can't do that uh, at work so you know the way that I like to do things uh, I can't do it so I have Outlook on my machine at work crumble um, and I can't Mm -hmm. install Google sync to sync Outlook to to my Google Calendar and my Google Contacts which I used to do all the time uh, at my previous employer when the uh, uh, tech guy was a much more reasonable person but I can't. <laughs> I can't do that there because it's against their corporate policy. Uh, so the way I have to do it is like I have a tablet. I have an Android tablet. So I go to meetings and I take notes on my Android tablet uh, using Evernote, or I, I would rather do it in Google Docs. Um, but uh, I can do it on the uh, public Wi-Fi using Google Docs. But then when I get da- back to my desk, I can't access Google Docs on the hardwired. Network, so that's there's no use there. So uh, I've learned I can do it in Evernote. Evernote is also blocked on my hardwired Internet. So I go to Evernote. uh, I take my notes on my Android tablet. I use Evernote's email feature. I send my corporate email uh, an attachment with the Evernote RTF document. Then I can open it up on my computer. Now tell me how that is secure. I am now sending everything, you know, whatever I might have recorded in my notes, whatever personal or corporate information I recorded, I'm now sending it in clear text over the internet because that's more secure? How did that work out?
1: Yeah, no kidding. Exactly. Thank you for that
0: insouciant <laughs> commentary. Uh, <so.
1: laughs> well, what else do well, you no. expect us to say? You may, you pretty much nailed it on the head and threw the thing in the in the grave anyway, so... Yeah, it's the whole, we agree.
2: (laughs) You know, RIM is doing what Corel did. Corel, or what what WordPerfect did. WordPerfect had this great product, and they said, hey, we have this great product, you have to use us, and then other companies put out this crappy product that they continued to um, polish and add features and build and develop, and all the while... Word Perfect said, ah, we've got a better product. And all of a sudden, these other products were just as good and started to be better. And then they realized, oh, crap, we've got to get better. And they fell behind. And RIM had a great product. You know, they kind of were the name in smartphones for a while and now all of a sudden they kind of just said, Oh, dee Da, look at us. We're Rim, we're BlackBerry, and then all of a sudden here's Android, here's iPhone. Uh somewhere I heard rumors of a Windows phone and they can do all of these things that oh wait a minute, we can't do those. Oh wait a minute. We're behind now. And uh so they're they have to try to catch up, but They've lost the momentum, and you know from watching football that once you lose that momentum, <laughs> you can't get it back. You know, you just get steamrolled. So, yeah. Um, yeah and, so, you know, I
0: think BlackBerry their their issue is they're 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 all they're they're sort of like um, Google in that they're run by good engineers but not good design people. So, uh, Apple and they're blew, Canadian. <laughs> Apple blew them out of the water in the design department. Uh, Android and Windows copied Apple. Uh, and so they had better design. And uh, when RIM tried to copy Apple, they did a crappy job of it. Uh, they introduced the Playbook, which you could only use if you had a BlackBerry phone, too. And it was like this sec- weird sort of add-on device that wasn't really connected to anything but your phone. So you had to have a phone and another $400 tablet to be able to send yourself email and, and read stuff. It was It was a weird... You know, I, I guess they sacrificed usability for security. I don't really know. They sacrificed profitability for the playbook. Is what happened. Yeah, I'm right.
1: getting. No did anyone so, ever ever actually touch a playbook?
0: Uh, not I. No,
1: I didn't either. I, I heard it was about brought somebody up at who one did. of my co- at one of my meetings that one of my administrators wanted to see it, and I go, "But you have to have a BlackBerry phone to use it." And then it was a mini- and then they would like dropped on uh, on the head right there. It was like, "Oh, well, then." We're not going to worry about it.
0: And I was a BlackBerry user for a long time. I had four BlackBerry phones. And in a lot of ways, Android still has not caught up to BlackBerry in some of the usability and some of the uh, the OS smoothness. Android is still very rough and clunky compared to BlackBerry in a lot of ways. But uh, in a lot of ways, the and, uh, rim has been just totally left behind. Uh, you know, they're, they're a keyboard phone manufacturer that tried to incorporate touch and did it poorly. Uh, and it's just, you know, I, I mourn for rim because they had a good product that I like to use for a very long time. They were, uh, one of the first app phones on the market long before iPhone, you had your yep. Palm Trio, you had your Nokia, uh, uh, phones with their, uh, with Symbian OS, I think it was called. Uh, um, yes. yep. and then you had BlackBerry, which just really sort of dominated, uh, the North American market anyway. Europe was pretty much all Nokia, um. Palm fell by the wayside because they refused to update and now all of those companies are just trounced by the by the twin uh, headed hydra of iOS and Android uh, and it's, it's it's a little sad, but you know does anybody mourn the uh, buggy wheelwright anymore you know we have cars and that's just the way it is the uh, history will not blink twice when rim has folded uh, there will be a few of us who will be uh, uh, bothered by it, but history won't won't mourn them at all.
1: No, It'll right. just be the people that want it so bad that we will be sitting there trying to figure out a way to hodgepodge it through the old through the newer systems.
2: They'll just go op- they'll open source it right before, right as it dies.
1: Right, like WebOS. Yeah, because so, that uh, worked so great, didn't it?
0: <laughs> just just this week or this month, very recently, uh, Open OS 1.0 has been released. So that that uh, OS that Palm uh, uh, created and HP bought, and HP was going to throw everything into it. They were all in on WebOS for about three and a half weeks, and then that CEO got fired, and a new one came in, and WebOS was just tossed to the curb. Um, but now here it is been open sourced open web OS. Has anybody looked at it?
2: Nope. I haven't. I was just kind of amazed at how fast version 1.0 was released less than a year really after it was announced. Um, so it was, you know, they've released 1.0 and, uh, it's kind of, it's based on Linux. So it, it'll be kind of like a, a Linux thing. Um, but yeah, so WebOS refuses to die, you know, between them and mego, um it, it it will never be dead because it's open source.
0: Yeah, and I I loved WebOS. I think from the screenshots, I never <laughs> yeah. used it, I never saw it, but the internet told me I was supposed to like it. Uh, it was supposed
1: oh. to be the next great thing.
0: Yeah, all the press about it was good and um every every review I saw of the Palm Prey, uh, was that the OS was awesome. The hardware sucked. Uh, so, and there were no apps. Yeah. Uh, so now it's out there, uh, open web OS. Uh, it's there. You can download it. I don't know what it'll run on. I don't know what apps will run on it, but now that it's open source, at least there's a chance.
2: Yeah. The, uh, the demo on HP's uh, YouTube channel shows a TouchSmart PC, so one of their all-in-one computers. So not like some, you know, weird Linux tablet Android thing, but an actual full-fledged computer computer. Um, hmm. So now, again, I don't know what special hoops you have to jump through to get it i don't have any decent computers or i would try to see just because i'm curious as to what what web os is you know i've I've heard the hype yeah i've heard the hype but i haven't seen it
0: it's a two and a half minute video and only like twice in the two and a half minute video does the guy actually touch or interact with the computer and pretty much all he does is swish a few windows left and right so that's their big demo here it is. Look, you can swish this window left and right. And for the other two minutes and 27 seconds, I'm just going to stand here and tell you how awesome it is.
1: That's, that sounds like a typical... A typical that, that's what Microsoft
0: devil. did with Slate. So. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently it has a calendar because he's showing the calendar and it has uh, physics-based Files, yeah. uh, based, uh, swiping so that the faster you move, the faster things fly across the screen. But that's that's like all the video Ooh. shows. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's so, awesome!
0: Congratulations! You'll know what day it is if you use Open Web OS.
1: It looks a lot like GNOME 2.0 too. For anybody who's look, not looking at the site right now, um, the screen caps that they show it looks just like GNOME 2.0 or 2.3 or whatever you want to call that GNOME version. It looks. So I,
0: th- I think it's time. To just to just pull the sheet over both Web OS and BlackBerry OS and just and me go. Let's throw Migo in there while we're at it. Let it go, guys. No, go. Migo just will Just bury live. it. Just
1: like, bury it.
0: It's like nobody has done the double tap. They've had they've taken yeah. shots to the head, but nobody's done the double tap yet. It's time, folks. It's time for the double tap.
1: That's right.
0: I think yeah. that's what I'm going to name this show, the Double Tap. <laughs> it's time for the Double Tap. That's pretty good. Um, and and with just like that, we've been talking for an hour. We probably wow. got another ten or twelve uh, things in the notes that we didn't even get to. Uh, but we we listen to our listeners. That's what we like to do. And we talked about zombies, sort of zombie <laughs> OSs. And bacon so, Zomb- and bacon. Zomb- so there you go. We had listeners the- and bacon and zombies and uh, zombie think,
1: OS's. <laughs> yeah, I think
0: that's a fairly well-rounded show. So uh, I, I'm I'm going to say that pretty well covers it. the The double tap. I'm going to put the double tap. On the double this episode. tap episode. <laughs> so, uh, do you guys have a uh, any tips for the week that you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Always double tap.
0: <laughs> okay, that's that's the command line Godfather's uh, mess. Cardio. And double tap.
1: Definitely. Uh, and enjoy which I the little to start things. On tomorrow.
0: <laughs> and, uh, and Mr. Anderson, how about yourself?
2: Yeah, I actually have one. It is, um, it's Electric City, which is a web only series that Yahoo put out. Um, Tom Hanks developed it and he's like one of the voice actors. Uh, and it's actually, it's pretty cool. It's like a dystopian future kind of episode and, um, I've watched the first seven episodes. They're not super long. I think maybe five or ten minutes per episode, and uh, it's it's a series, but it is for the web. And uh, I had clicked on it. If you heard that sound, so uh, anyway, it's Electric City, and you can find it at electriccity.yahoo.com. And they have another one out. I haven't started yet because I want to finish this one first. But there's some there's some uh, good stuff coming out. On the web has an alternative for cable or TV or books or Netflix or Hulu, <laughs> um, you know, or YouTube or Pandora. So, uh, Electric City.
0: You know, I think we're going to see that is the future of publications you know you're gonna have guys torrenting their own books and you're gonna have people like me producing my own content and being my own uh, uh distributor and you've got even you know tom hanks who's got more money than god uh could do whatever he wanted he could go to any studio anywhere on the planet and say this is the project i want to do and they would say yes mr hanks you know and, and um but he chose to do this on the web uh, on uh, as a as a web uh, series so you know Felicia Day has been uh, famously doing that for uh, six years now i think um yeah like that. she's uh, that
2: MySpace uh, was one of the first ones with they did a series called Afterworld that i uh, i started watching but it just got too much for me um but yeah so Thank you, MySpace, for kind of ma- – they were the first, like, one with a big breakthrough show like this. And uh, so thank you, MySpace, for blazing the trail.
0: Speaking of MySpace, Justin Timberlake is going to breathe new life into MySpace. Have you read that news story? That new story? Uh, uh, he Oh, it's already relaunched. Yeah. Uh, um, it's a, it's, invitation, it's like invitation only. only. Right now. It's in beta form, and you have to be a friend of Justin's. You know, I, I guess he's going to be like the new Tom. When you sign up for an account, uh, Justin will be your friend. Um,
2: I wonder if my old account is still active. I haven't checked it in many, many months. Well,
0: if you go there, that's still there. That's the old MySpace. But you have to go to new.myspace.com, oh, okay. and then you'll see a, all the cool kids are clicking here. Won't you do it too? Uh, kind of thing. And so, uh, you know, MySpace isn't dead. It's just uh, pining for the fuel. Nobody double tapped it. <laughs> that's
1: right. Nobody double tapped it. Yep. I was Always double
0: tap, people.
1: That's right. And work on your cardio. Yeah, and enjoy the little things.
0: (laughs) And I think that sums it up better than anything else could. So I'm simply going to say that ends this episode of Everyday Lux.